Hello, and welcome to Station Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. My name is Justin Twyford. I'm joined, as always, by my friend and co-host, Stu Lennon. Hey, Stu, how are you today? I'm very well, thank you, Justin. How are you? I'm doing great. It's warm, it's sunny, it's some of that Cypress weather that you were talking about last week made its way over here. It's very nice. Well, I'm, I'm glad it's uh, looked up a bit. This is good for the soul, a bit of sunshine, I think. A little bit of follow-up, Stu. Mm. How did the jobby job telephone situation resolve? Um, well, it, it's fine now. It took an awfully long time to sort out. So, first of all, there was a sort of terse exchange where somebody said, well, it's just the way that the, the Hunt Group is working. And to which I replied, okay. I'm not sure I should be in the hunt group uh, because ultimately I'm I'm a fat guy driving around Cyprus in a little car. I'm <laughs> I'm probably not ideal to be answering complicated foreign exchange queries. You know, it's it's not quite the right environment. And ultimately, once I had the conversation with the right person, they said, "Yeah, yeah, you shouldn't be in that hunt group." Okay, so how do I get out of that hunt group? Oh, well, you need to send a ticket to IT. Of course, I do. So I sent a ticket to IT who replied, well, you'll need to get permission from your line manager. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. <laughs> to, to which I responded, it was my line manager that sent me, but um, I shall I shall give him a prod and ask him to come your way. And so uh, ultimately everything got sorted out and I'm now not part of the hunt group and my phone is back to its normal tranquil self. So this sounds like it was a management decision and not a technical error. I think to be honest, it was both. Um, I think they decided that the hunt group should be more aggressively sort of employed. So when calls were spilling over, they wanted to go to a larger group and then somebody technical very quietly turned to somebody else technical and said, you realize that at least half the team is not actually enabled. And the other technical person went, shh, we'll sort it tomorrow. Um, and so. I think senior management were under the impression that my phone had been ringing for about six months mm. and it hadn't, <laughs> but there you go. They're none the wiser. Everybody's happy. Well, at least you are, your phone is back to its normal, quiet, uh, muted self, just waiting for the beloved text from your wife. Indeed. And it, it appears you've been playing sort of a uh, corporate nonsense as well this week. Oh, I was just laughing at some corporate tomfoolery is the way I look at it. We are setting up a new customer uh, for one of the businesses, a uh, Canadian company. They sent a U.S. tax form for us to fill out. And of course, the question was, well, why? Because we have nothing to do with the U.S. They're a Canadian company as well. Well, this was a head office thing. Well, none of the U.S. tax questions actually work. We don't have any of the numbers or the registration. We don't live in states. We live in provinces. We're a completely different country. But they actually sent me a message with the five or six fields that they wanted filled out on this form. All right. Fair enough. It's redundant. They said it was a company policy. I just thought, you know, this is crazy. They then had me fill out some banking information and then also wanted a copy of a blank check to go with it for a direct deposit. And I just looked at it and went, okay, well, you've had me fill out this form for no good reason because I'm giving you the duplicate information. 
Um, and again, it came down to their corporate policy. And I just thought, can you imagine being the poor person on the other side of that email from me going, why do you need this? This doesn't make any sense. Oh, well, it's our corporate policy. <laughs> I was just thinking back to, there was a movie where they were joking about uh, the TPS report covers office space. And it was, uh, it was about like that. Let's do things that don't add any value to anybody, either you as collecting the data, the company that you're asking for the data from rather than just creating a form for the data you need. It was just crazy. And I just thought about it in terms of last week, our conversation about how a corporate puts up with things like that. And an entrepreneurial would just say, why are we doing this silly thing? We need five fields, send them an email, get the information, plug it into our system. Done. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is astonishing how often this comes up. I mean, my, my little trick this week is that my, my direct boss uh, wants to essentially go through pipelines and it's not a new and exciting concept, but our business information, uh, CRM, et cetera, is not set up from that angle. This is what happens, Justin, when you put bean counters at the top of a company, no offense intended. <laughs> Some take them, but that's okay. <laughs> so the, the data that comes out of our systems is great. If you're putting together the books, it's no good at all. If you're trying to manage a pipeline. Mm -hmm. Um, so in true sales manager fashion, we're just completely ignoring all our business information and building our own little reporting suite, um, largely from sort of scotch tape, uh, some elastic bands and bits of paper. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> you know how many businesses I've gone into that have a separate access database that, you know, some hobbyist has built up that is just terrible from a data integrity point of view, mm -hmm. but they've done that because as you said, some bean counter has picked the best accounting system for a business. I completely understand. Sure. Those people give accountants a bad name. <laughs> That's certainly how it feels from my little niche in this, uh, jobby job, but Hey, Hey, I, as somebody that does that job, I completely agree as well. Uh, speaking of which, actually, I should say that, uh, in a couple of weeks ago, we talked about our different tools that we were using digital tools, and I'm actually trialing Basecamp at work cool. uh, to solve a communications and data collection problem. Even though I have concerns with Basecamp after going through that process of all the different things with you, I figured it's something that anybody can use. It's intuitive. And I'm going to give it a go, figuring that, well, unless there's an update, they might be able to run it until they rehire half of their staff. But uh, we're giving it a try, seeing what the acceptance is from the staff at work. But um, mm -hmm. I'll let you know how that goes. Yeah, that'll be really interesting because, uh, you know, as, as we touched on, I think of all of the tools out there, it is the most accessible. Um, and if you're of a, um, a certain size, it's probably the most cost effective too, which is Let's face it, always a concern. So yeah, I'll be interested to hear how that goes. Mm -hmm. But again, speaking of not uh, putting an accounting system in and expecting everybody to use it, you use the right tool for the right job or you explore to find the right tool for the right job. Yep. And speaking of tools, what is your tool for the week? Oh, well, this is um, uh, it's a little bit of a cop out, I suppose. It, it's a notebook. As I just touched upon there with the sort of business information, uh, CRM sort of issues that we're experiencing. I've been given an Excel sheet and said, right, okay, what I'm going to need to see on this is A, B, and C. And I've looked at it and gone, 
the easiest way for me to keep a hold of all this information as it develops is going to be in a notebook. Mm -hmm. So I actually have a notebook with pages dedicated to different clients, different leads, et cetera, and just keep a note on the correct page of every development with every client. And it's very straightforward. It is clearly not efficient or effective, <laughs> but it works. And so I can then produce the information that, you know, boss A, uh, who appears to have no working relationship with bosses B, C, D, or E, what he needs. Um, and therefore we can all move forward. So yeah, there you go. Sometimes analog is fastest. Mm -hmm. Now, two questions. Mm. We talked about corporate motivations last week. Yep. Do you have to take your analog notebook and go back to your Excel spreadsheet and plug in the information there so you can report it? Uh, no or yes. There we are. There's a proper corporate answer. <laughs> so the numbers or the data that we're tracking forms the basis of a conversation. And the manager himself is then updating yet another spreadsheet with the output of that. I think, reading between the lines, he is trying to head off questions that he's getting from his higher-ups. So he wants to be able to turn around and say, oh, the fat guy in Cyprus. Yeah, he's seen 32 people and he's had this and the next strategic step is that so that he can demonstrate that he has his finger firmly on my head and knows exactly what I'm doing for me and all of my peers. Management by CYA. <laughs> Cover your ass. Ah, <laughs> uh, yep. There's, I, I suspect there is an element of that. And, you know, I, let's not go on a tangent, but I suspect we both know that the issue is really higher up. Why are you asking questions to track, to try and trick your manager out or to catch your manager out? That's, that's to me, that's not the right way to manage someone, but hey. Yeah. I'm just wondering, uh, you know, how that fits in with your previous thing of getting, talking to people and, and getting the business development done. And then let's sit down once a month and do some three, four hours of data entry for administrative reporting and covering your rear end. It just seems indeed seems crazy. I've also learned that I've got to write 150 words just of nice peppy sort of stuff about what I've been up to outside of work for the, uh, newsletter to go out to my partners, the rest of which is going to be produced by marketing. Good thing. Oh, Good thing. We don't know boy. any writers, huh? Yeah. Um, yeah, as I say, I asked for guidance. I sort of went back and said, okay, so what's the word count? What's the tone guidelines? What do you, and, and he sort of just called me up and said, we just write 150 words about, you know, where you went walking or something. Go away. <laughs> okay. All right. Make it sound good, See but don't let me tell you what to say. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm bored of this now. Go away. And yes, I haven't pointed out that I'm not sure this fits in with the, you know, let's go build, build, build. Don't do any busy work. This looks a lot like busy work to me. But hey, it sounds a lot like busy work, doesn't it? Mm, yeah. Well, that's the great thing to do is to to hire a load of copywriters and then just uh, get other people to write everything. That's the way to do it. What about you? What have you been using this week that's really had a positive impact on your productivity? So mine is a blast from the past. I've been completely Mac for the last year or so, ever since lockdown started, I was out of the house. We uh, sold our house last week and yeah. are looking for a new place. And one of the challenges that comes is how do you stay connected? Uh, especially for someone like me who doesn't have a lot of apps on my phone. So I have a cellular enabled 
iPad. It's uh, an iPad Pro, the 10.5 with the fold down keyboard. So not the fancy new keyboard, the the version before that. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a couple of years old, but for what I use an iPad for because of the limitations of the operating system, it's fine. And it's the first time in over a year of taking it outside the house. And that cellular enabled iPad is just fantastic for a spot that my MacBook just can't complete in, in going anywhere and being able to do work. And I was really reminded of that. It was like going back to back in time to the days that I would take that to a coffee shop and do some work in a coffee shop. Just loved it. And, Mm. you know, despite all the problems that the iPad has, uh, it's hardware is certainly outrunning its software in terms of productivity. It does have still a little sweet spot and I thought I would give it a shout out. You know, I'm probably a little harder on it than I need to be, but if you just need something simple for the odd piece of work, Hey, it's, it's there and it's great. Uh, do you have a cellular enabled one? Uh, no, I don't. Um, I've only got one. I've only got one, but I used to have two iPads, mm-hmm. um, neither of which were cellular. Now I've only got the one. I just never really felt a huge benefit of being um, sort of rapidly connected outdoors. If I was at a, a coffee shop and I wanted to check my email, then I could, you know, I could do that through uh, a Wi-Fi type thing without any real need for anything serious, if you see what I mean. And just as you were talking there, it, it struck me that the, the question that, that I'm forever hearing on on tech podcasting, why won't they put a cellular in the MacBook? Oh, that would be so nice. Well, because it would kill the iPad. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> Fairly straightforward. There would be no more iPad sales. Oh, it certainly would uh, kill it for me. Uh, though the other thing is that the iPad, by its nature, one application at a time isn't too heavy on cell data. Now, if you're in the state, cell data or unlimited cell data is a thing. Up here in Canada, you pay for almost every megabyte you use. Mm. Uh, It's expensive. We have some of the most expensive cell phone plans in the world, I believe, in Canada. I'm not sure why, probably something to do with our population and how rural a lot of the areas are once you get outside of our uh, main cities here. But certainly it's, it's expensive and the iPad is quick and it's nimble and it just does what you need it to do. You know, you connect your MacBook to the internet and it's updating three dozen apps. It's syncing your iCloud and Dropbox and all of these behind the scene things that they would have to rewrite uh, Mac OS quite considerably to make that useful on a cell network, I believe. Mm, for sure. So what are we going to talk about today, Stu? A fun one. Yeah, well, this was one that um, just happened sort of, it was very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Fortuitous. You were reading from the mighty Austin Cleon mm-hmm. um, about indexing and filing systems. I think that's probably going to be in the show notes. Yes. And you referenced a workshop, uh, which is called From Zero to Obsidian, uh, which is being done by The Sweet Setup, Mike Schmitz there of The Sweet Setup and Bookworm Podcast and focused podcast and i'd actually purchased a ticket for that so i was uh i was gonna gonna attend then obviously i got the time zones wrong and so having gone through the pain of explaining to my wife that i was in fact going to start watching a video at 10 p.m through till midnight and all the abuse that i got for that 
uh, it turned out actually it started at nine. Ah. So uh, I was an hour late. And when you're going from zero to using an app, that first hour is kind of important. <laughs> By kind of important, I mean essential. Mm-hmm. However, fortunately, uh, there was a replay, or there is a replay, um, and you can still purchase access to it, I think. And uh, just today, I finished going through it. So the, I think the official topic name is, is indexing. Yeah, so there's an article that we've got a link to in the show notes by Austin Klin that started this process. And his article got me thinking. He was discussing his next book and that he does a lot of his work in notebooks. He's got this big box full of notebooks and he doesn't have an index for them. He just writes the dates on the spine. And so he can't find anything easily and quickly. And I did the same thing. I stopped and I thought, you know what? I have in some of my books, like a bullet journal style stuff, I have an index, but a lot of my thoughts, my reflections, those types of books, I don't necessarily index. And I realized that actually is a a problem for me and something that, you know, with this sort of digital analog migration that we're kind of in the process of, you know, some things are becoming much more digital than they used to be. Is that so much of an issue? How do we, how do we handle that? Is something like a PKM, uh, a personal knowledge management software going to solve a lot of that? So I thought it was a great opportunity for us to discuss what we're doing and if we see any needs or anything that we need to change. So Stu, analog notebooks because Mm. we're certainly analog people to start with. Do you do any indexing of your analog? Well, similarly to you, I read the article and went, oh, because I'm, I'm in the same boat. I have people who've, who've, uh, read my website, stuartlennon.com. He said, I'm writing about my Camino trips. So hiking the Camino de Santiago, which I've done over four years and was due to do the fifth year last year. But as people may note, travel became a little bit awkward. So, um, it's not quite finished yet. And for those trips, I had specific notebooks, which are indexed to the extent that the dates are there. And I therefore know that this notebook relates to Camino one, the first part, for example, and I've been using those notes to help me write the posts and, and, you know, relate what happened. Mm-hmm. And it's been fantastically effective and efficient. And I think oh, clever man I am. Then I open up, I keep all my pocket notebooks in field notes, archive boxes, and I've opened those and gone, ah, because they are simply numbered, uh, and in date order. Oh, at least you number them. Yeah. I mean, I've numbered them, which I suppose is a step forward and they're dated. So I can say, uh, that was March, but the, the problem I have obviously is I'm not entirely sure whether that great idea that I had was in February or in March or possibly even in June. Yeah, definitely. And that's, that's certainly a weakness. And I know that my co-host on 1857, TJ, I know he experimented for a while about sort of digitalizing those notes. <laughs> and he's been, um, he's been playing with <laughs> QR codes. And using those as some sort of referencing system and, you know, just, just 
just getting a little bit funky with it all. And yet certainly it adds a huge amount of value, particularly if like you and I, uh, we're no longer 25. And can remember everything. And A, when you're 25, you haven't written down very much. Apologies to any 25-year-olds who have written down a lot. <laughs> but most haven't. Um, and as you say, they can remember it. I can barely remember what I had for breakfast now. So it's, uh, it's definitely something I'm looking at uh, with a critical eye right now. Hmm. So it is a challenge. Uh, you generally do everything in one notebook too, if I'm not mistaken. Your use is everything goes into one. I have a central notebook, which over recent times has been sort of bullet journal style A5, but in the past was uh, sort of small pocket journals. There's always other books running in parallel that are sort of very project specific. Um, and those, I suppose, represent the properly or the, the more, more properly indexed things. So uh, if the jobby job, I have a series of notebooks that relate to the jobby job. Mm -hmm. And again, they're dated and numbered, but I don't have an index at the front um, and I should. And I do find myself from time to time just leafing through going, now, what was that person's phone number? Oh, there it is. Because I will have noted it. I know I've noted it somewhere. I just can't remember where. And where I'm, I think, very poor is sort of the end of day looking at that and going, okay, is there anything from this uh, analog system that I need to now digitalize? Whether that be, you know, contact details or a to-do or action points. Because, well, like everybody else, I guess, you know, I come back from a, from a day at work and I think, you know, I'll look at that tomorrow. And of course, tomorrow never comes. And then I find myself seven days later going, oh, where's that phone number? Leaf, 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 leaf. Ah, there it is. And naturally, all I do is just take that one phone number. And then seven days later, I go, where was that other phone number? Leaf, leaf, leaf. I just can't train myself to, to, to go through and say, right, let's take all of this week's data and do something intelligent with it. That's, uh, I think, where I need to improve. What about you? How does it work for you? Yeah, so I'm much more into every notebook has a purpose for me. Mm -hmm. So if you ever go to my office, it is an absolute mess with a pile of different notebooks. They're all color-coded. This one is for this. This one is for that. So in some ways it's a little easier because I know that this thought was probably in this particular project's workbook so I can get there and leaf through it. But like you, I'm not great at taking notes and, and indexing them. I don't do a lot of review of the notes that I have either. Uh, so what I do is I actually do in my OmniFocus task, I have pops up at a certain time, reminds me to go through and check off all of the things I need to do, which is doing a final review of my email, doing a final review of my Slack messages, see if there's anything pending, go through my journal from that day, go through my task manager from that day. Really, I'm looking at closing my loops. What I do is I do a very good job of taking the to-dos, the things that I didn't get to do, and putting those into my OmniFocus. But I don't do a very good job of either indexing or committing those potentially somewhat ephemeral notes that we get into a more serious and more accessible note-taking, like finding a home for that telephone number. I will do exactly like you do. 
it's in this notebook and i think it was sometime in march or february or well, it might have been november last year because well the last year all blended into one for me at least mm-hmm. That's why I want to talk about it because it really is something that I went, oh, I hadn't thought about it, but yes, I do spend more time than I really want to looking for things. And that's not a nice thing to admit to, but uh, certainly something that we do need to think about. You know, I, I have things by day. I can, I can refer back to the day, but for things that are a little bit longer term, how do you remember what day it is? That's a tough one. Okay. All right. Now buckle up, Justin, that this isn't going to be an ad for Obsidian, nor for Mike Schmitz, nor for the Sweet Setup. If this conversation that Justin and I are having is, is chiming with you at all, go and invest uh, in zero to Obsidian at $79. For that $79, I think you get it credited back for a, f- for a much fuller course, which releases in July. The, the thing goes on for three hours, and it is excellent but possibly not for the reasons that you might imagine. Now, I'm going to try and expand upon that. Mm, So if you don't know what Obsidian is, don't worry too much. It's a note-taking app. So think of, I don't know, notes that you have on your Apple machines or whatever you might have on a, a Microsoft machine. I don't know, notes, isn't it? Was it Note? Microsoft Notes? Uh, you're the one well. with the Windows machine, my friend. I haven't got a clue. Yeah, I don't look at it. Good Lord. It, it's got a nice purple icon. I can tell you that much. Anyway, it's a simple note-taking app. Well, when I say simple, it's far from simple. It gets very complex very quickly. But the thing that sort of first arrested me when I was watching this was I was thinking I was going to learn how to use an app. And, you know, I'm reasonably smart. I have an idea how things work. So... I was expecting to sort of do that pay attention with one eye thing and (laughs) do something else with the other eye. And then Mike said something. He said, okay, central to this is note making versus note taking. Yes. To which I went, say what now? And his view, and it's not, I I don't believe it's, it's uh, originally something he's come up with. I think it's probably Justin will probably supply where this concept came from at some point, but the concept is that when you're making a note about something, you write down the sort of bare bones of the note, and then you revisit it and you go back and say, what do I think about that? So what do I think about the idea? the ideas brought up in in essential. Do I think that they're really good? Do I disagree with them? What what chimes with me? What works with me? And you start making that note bigger, expanding upon it. And that starts with your opinions, what you felt about it, what it made you think about. Oh, how does that relate to to what you're doing on this project? What does that make you think about? Oh, remember that James James Clear book that I read? what did he say about that? Mm-hmm. And you keep revisiting and growing this note, making your own thoughts build from the ones that you've just read about or heard about or been inspired to note about. And that's a completely different approach to taking notes than, than what are the ones that I've been using. I tend to take a note and then find it again <laughs> months or years later. Oh, that's what I thought. This 
approach to notes, uh, I think, then leads to the indexing of notes. And I was fascinated. The way that Mike does it, uh, he's, he's a bit like us, Justin. He's, a, he's an analog-first guy when it comes to notes. Mm-hmm. And so he's uh, using a bullet journal-esque system, which, again, I think we can chime with both of us. I was going to say, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? But at the end of the day, and this is where, oh, you're going to need some discipline here, part of his shutdown is to say, okay, what's in here? And what from here needs to go to Obsidian? Which is where he's keeping, for the sake of argument, his permanent notes, where he's going to follow that note-making process rather than that note-taking process. So he's going to take a note that he's written down and go, do you know what? That that's triggering thought. So I'm going to put that into Obsidian and I'm going to write down what my opinion about it is, etc. Now, the first thing I, I thought was, well, who's got the time to do this? Do you know, to take the note twice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think he quite successfully argues that actually all that he's doing is, is what we all do anyway, what you do with OmniFocus, what I do with things where we will take different thoughts, elements, notes, jots, and turn them into either actions or, as I say, made notes. And then from there, we sort of worked on through how the, the app works and stores your notes. And it's very powerful. It's all based on Markdown. There's some really good linking. There's some incredible work going on around templating and Obsidian, if you're that way inclined, can become your everything. It can replace your uh, your note-taking app to your to-do app. I don't know if you've seen this, Justin, but you can put a Kanban note together. It's a little, <laughs> a little template, and you can have a Kanban note. It's, it's, it's fabulously clever. But what really struck me about the whole thing was, okay, by adopting that sort of version of note-making, you begin to automatically create an index because the whole power behind Obsidian is the links between notes. Correct. So where you make a note and you would perhaps write James Clear, it's then possible for you to pull together all the notes that have mentioned James Clear. And you can do that in several different ways, forwards and backwards, but you can begin to start building thoughts around a specific person, a specific problem, a specific project, because everything can link. And it's not just Obsidian that you can do that. You can do that in things like craft. You can do that. um, I think if you pushed yourself, you can do it in pretty much anything. Yeah. Notion and Rome are the other two big boys on the block as well. Sure. Uh, Both of which are your data is somewhere else. Yeah. I haven't used craft. I'm not, I believe it's the same way, but I'm not sure. Well, the, the difference is Notion um, and Rome are essentially databases. So Correct. think think Evernote. It's a, you know, it's a little weird format all of its own. And sure, you can move stuff in and out, but it's an, it's an import and export process. Craft is a very Apple-centric, but Obsidian is built on Markdown. Yeah, that's the beauty of it, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, well, for me, um, right now it's something I'm really, really interested in is, is that sort of portability and just the lightness of it. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, if you, if you write sort of 80, 90,000 words and then, and then you look at it and it's like, you know, 25 K or something. It's like, wow. <laughs> it's tiny. And it's built on your own file system. So your obsidian vault, which sounds very exciting, can be a folder in your Dropbox, or it can be a folder uh, on your hard drive. And within it, there's a folder system. Yeah. You know, good old fashioned folders with little markdown files in them. And so from the point of view of, of, you know, a process that I do quite a lot of writing, uh, blog posts, I could write in, I could write in drafts, which I sometimes do, or I could write in obsidian because it's a markdown editor, like any other markdown editor, or I could write in a, a writer, which is where I tend to write these days, largely because I can publish directly from IA writer to ghost, which is the the platform I, I publish my blog on. Oh, that's handy. And so actually I can write in any of those. And then for that final publishing thing, access via IA writer, because it will just be easier. But it's the same file as I was just working on in Obsidian or in drafts or, you know, wherever else I want to be working. And so the Obsidian is at the moment, largely a Mac app. There is an iOS app that's not available to the public, but it, it, it is in beta. But for me, I'm not too bothered because if I want to look at it on my phone, unlikely, I guess, but my phone or my iPad, I can look at it through one of these other approaches, IA writer or well, text edit. <laughs> there's, there's a myriad of, of markdown editors that you can just access your files. And depending on where you've saved everything, everything will just sync. Mm -hmm. So I really, really attracted by that lightness of it. But the thing that I think had confused me or was confusing me, or was intimidating me about uh, Obsidian and Rome was what's so special about this linking? I, I don't, I don't understand it. And now I do. So what's so special about the linking is actually, it's just the way that you're looking at notes and what they are, and they are not one off fire and forget things. They are things that grow. Sure, there are one-off fire and forget things, and you might make those in your notebook, and that's probably where they'll stay. It's not going to solve the phone number issue for you and I. We just have to be disciplined to move the phone number into the right place. But it's that seeing it as a process rather than a one-off event. I think that's the, the critical thing. Uh, and that's got nothing to do with apps. That's just got to do with your philosophy of note-taking. And... Uh, dare I say it, a little bit of discipline in making sure that you finish things off the way you want to finish them off and things end up in the right place, whether that be a daily process or a weekly process, you know, whatever, whatever floats your boat. Yeah, definitely. So from that point of view, I feel quite drawn to looking more carefully about how I manage my note take and how I ensure that I don't find myself desperately going through my notebooks. I quite like wistfully going through my notebooks. Yes. Pleasant memories popping up and yeah, that, that's an enjoyable pastime. Absolutely. But in terms of, you know, if I am trying to develop ideas around, I don't know, for me, perhaps a book, then I get that data into a place where it is indexed. I can find it and I can find out what it's linked to because sometimes when I'm, I'm thinking of books are just stories, you know, novels are stories. And sometimes I'll, I'll just get a thought about a scene. 
something that happens. I'm not quite sure where it will fit. I'm not even sure which book it will fit in. But I need to capture that. And capturing that in a notebook is really convenient. And, well, frankly, you know, we just, we just look so windswept and interesting as we stand there taking a, a brief note in our notebook. Wow, it's fabulous. <laughs> the beret and everything, right? Yeah, but, but then, you know, I've got to get it into that system so that ultimately, if you're one of those people who likes to write in Scrivener, who, who wants to write in Ulysses, hey, you just got some markdown files. You can just drop them in. Boom, done. So I'm, I'm very, very interested in that, but I'm also very concerned about uh, one thing I'm not really very good at is anything that requires a lot of discipline. So I'm not quite sure how that's going to work for me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think more on that. Mm-hmm. Now, have you done anything as far as Zettel casting and that concept of taking uh, smart notes? I, I, the reason I ask is after going through the Obsidian course the other day, I still was left with the, the why and the how, how am I going to use this? And so I dug out the book that I kind of looked at, but haven't really read how to take smart notes, which is kind of a, a primer on Zettel casting. Mm. Have, have you done anything on that? Is that factoring into your process of how you're going to take notes? I've, I've flirted with the concept. So I've, you know, I've gone online and I've looked and gone, okay, so yeah, everything links together. That's great with that tiny bit of voice in the background going, why is it great? Why does it matter? Am I really going to sit there and make a note about something and think, aha, this links to the theory of relativity, which in turn links to Einstein, which of course links back to back to the future. I've got an idea for a book. No, that's not how things work. No, no, I don't see that that's sensible because really, do I want to write down anything about the theory of relativity? No, I don't. So I was, I was manufacturing use cases. Mm-hmm. And what I really enjoyed about the, the workshop was the way that, um, Mike said, don't, don't look at, you know, solving the world's problems. Come with a specific issue where you think that using Obsidian might help you and look at a specific case that you can start applying the logic to. And again, I maintain it's not really much to do with Obsidian. It's, it's as you say, it's about smart notes. It's about uh, another concept he uses, atomic notes. So you make each note as small as you can to start with so that it, you have all of the atoms necessary to create the molecules to create the matter. Um, so one of the things that he did was he, he downloaded the Bible into his obsidian and split it into each verse being a note. Mm, that sounds ambitious. Yeah. That, I mean, he found a way of automating it. I, well, I sincerely hope he did. Yeah, I'm sure he did. But that was, you know, that was his referencing. So he's, he's a, you know, he's a man of faith. He's very much involved with his church and, and his faith is, is apparent. And so you can see how he wants to link that to all the things he does. And I admire that enormously. I might not share the faith, but I, you know, I share the ambition. So. I was thinking specifically how I might look at one of my projects, whether that be, you know, a jobby job thing, a heaven for fend, you start putting things in software that hasn't been approved by the corporate. So forget that. Oh my gosh. 
<laughs> exactly. You might have a pipeline. Oh, the, <laughs> an analog book that you could forget and leave somewhere on a coffee table in uh, a restaurant. That's much safer. <laughs> Indeed. That, that, that's exactly the whole thought process. Who would have thought that, you know, data security had been solved? Anyway, looking at something that I might be doing, let, let's say about writing. You know, um, I produce a lot of blog posts. Uh, there is a process to that. Um, I'm again watching, watching Mike go, wow, he just built a little Kanban so you can have ideas for blog posts, posts that are being written, posts that are being edited, posts that are done. Wow. Cool. I like that. That's easy. And it was done in, you know, a few, few clicks of a mouse. Well, actually it's, it can be done with keyboard shortcuts too. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where I'm going to start is somewhere where I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to centralize all of this around this specific project and this specific thing and, and grow from there. And it may well be that I go, do you know what? That's great for that. And it works perfectly well, but for other things, the, this isn't, uh, the answer because I'm wary of, well, next week's episode will inform, but <laughs> I'm wary of investing a huge amount of time in creating some amazing system, uh, looking for a problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm curious, what data have you put so far into Obsidian? Lots of test data, lots of notes about what's Obsidian, what's notes, lots of created blank notes. So the, the phrase you use, smart notes. Mm -hmm. Oh, I've got to go, boom. I've got to know what smart notes is. So I've created a link by, by typing a couple of square brackets around smart notes. I mean, it's not hard. And that has created a note, which I will then go back to the, to Obsidian and go, there's a note here with nothing written on it except smart notes. Oh yeah. I wanted to research a little bit about smart notes. And then I will read probably the same book that you, you were talking about just to understand where it's coming from. Sketch notes is another one that I'm interested in. I mean, I'm a terrible sketcher, so I don't think it would work for me. I'm, uh, prompted by you. I've been listening to bookworm, so I'm quite interested in the, um, what are they, what is it? Mind node. Yeah, the mind node that uh, that Mike does again. I've I've bought mind node for some machine or some version of mind node for one of my machines that if it was iOS or Mac, and then looked at it and gone, mm, nope, nope, mm. no idea. Do you have setup? Just out of curiosity. Uh, no, we've done this before. No, uh, no, not currently. I have in the past, but um, not not currently now. My node is uh, included in there, mm -hmm. as is uh, a lot of other useful uh, utilities like that. My node is a mind mapping tool uh, yep. for the Mac and iOS, just in case anybody doesn't know what it is. For sure. So all of those things, are, you know, they've fired up my interest. Like as, as you're suggesting, the key, I think, is just to sort of, sort of dial it back a little bit and go, okay, so what am I actually going to do? So am I going to take my pocket notebooks and start indexing them into Obsidian? No, I don't think so. Will I instigate a weekly review of my notebook or books? Uh, yes, I think I will. Where I'm going to say, okay, I, I want to lift uh, some things from this and I'm going to try and make it a multi-purpose event. So I'm going to say, okay, what from this needs to go into my contact management mm -hmm. system, whatever that might be, whether it just be the phone book or, you know, a CRM somewhere or whatever. What from this needs to go into Obsidian because it's, it's thought, it's things that I'm, I'm opinionating and developing about. Mm -hmm. And what from this uh, needs to stay exactly where it is and isn't a problem. And 
I'm, I'm not going to put lines through the pages, but I'm mentally, I'm going to say, okay, I've extracted from this. This is now a lovely little wistful book that I can revisit whenever I want to revisit it. But it's, you know, the information search, oh, where have I got that will be somewhere digital. That's, that's my aim. Yeah. And digital certainly becomes a lot easier from an indexing perspective and somewhere that I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat as you trying to figure out how to get my analog books into a digital format through some sort of review. Uh, one thing I did on obsidian, and I'm, I'm kind of wondering if after the discussion, I've been using obsidian for a while, mm. I took all of my writing, everything that I do. I was using an app called bear. I'm not sure if yep. you've ever used it. Yeah. Yeah. I have lovely, lovely app. Lovely app. Uh, everything is tag based yep. and it's in sort of a proprietary format. So one nice thing you could do is you can export everything. I exported all those markdown files and imported it into obsidian, but that is sort of all my writing, uh, my ideas, my, yeah, basically everything that I've done, mm -hmm. including images. And I, uh, it's, it's quite a complex thing, which has almost in some cases overloaded my obsidian process as Mike was suggesting, and as perhaps you're going to follow. You're going to create the database, make the notes rather than taking the notes, uh, and create those relationships between them. I've kind of gone the other way and dumped everything into it. And now I'm, I hate to say the word struggling because I've, I've got it organized in folders that make sense to me, but they are somewhat disparate. They're not all related to each other. This folder is for my personal stuff stuff that goes on my blog, which is thought process and, you know, management theory and weird things like that. Things that are related to stationary are completely in a different one. Things that are related to my model car podcast, they're over in this other folder. I'm not sure that I'm going to get the linking use out of that, that I was kind of hoping for. And especially, you know, unlike Rome and I think even notion itself, None of those links are automatic or suggested. You're manually creating those in Obsidian. And it's, it's kind of an interesting way that I'm approaching this. Part of the reason I took the course last week to figure out what the best way to maximize my note taking and thereby my index will be. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think you can have automatic links. You can, uh, have whatever they're called, um, unlinked mentions, is it? Unlinked mentions, I think rings a bell. Unlinked mentions, yes. And, you know, from, from what you're saying, I think I'm in a similar spot in that all of my writing exists in Markdown files, um, but that happened pre-Obsidian. And I have resisted, partly at Mike's advice, I've resisted the temptation of then saying, oh, look, I'll take all of those folders and throw them into Obsidian. What I'm going to try and do, I think, is um, if we take one of my blogs, let's, you know, stuartlandon.com that within that I will have, um, four or five categories of posts. So I do things like living the dream, um, Camino members posts, that sort of stuff. Uh, and so there is a folder, uh, system there, and I'm probably going to take everything to date within that folder system, maintain that folder system, but drop it into a, a folder called archive mm -hmm. and then create now going forward a set of folders, probably the same folders in a new file, which I'm going to then work in a sort of more obsidian fashion. 
if that makes any sense. So as you say, sort of focus on, okay, this, this idea is for a blog post that is going to end up being, I do a series called working tools. So this is going to be a working tools idea. And that will then have some links and some tags possibly. So try and sort of slowly build it up that way rather than, you know, face the challenge that you have where you have a whole load of files going, wow, how do these all link together? Yeah. You know, but it's not obvious. And I'm going to try and develop something there just so that I can see that making note process. Uh, the example he used, I think, was he published an article recently um, about a comparison between Rome and Obsidian. And it started off as a four-word note and ended up as 6,600 words on the internet. Now, that, that is really making a note bigger. <laughs> That's a lot of making a note bigger. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but to me, it's interesting to see the layers of process that go to that. Uh, I find that quite interesting. Yeah, very interesting. It's 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 interesting for me too. I've kind of broken down. I'm just looking at my Obsidian now. Uh, I sync mine over iCloud. I'm not sure how you sync yours. Uh, get currently over iCloud, but um, I'm still, as I say, I've, I'm looking when I've got drafts. How do I create a note-taking workflow? IA writer, learning Obsidian, Markdown, note-taking workflow themes. Um, so you know, I'm still very much in test mode. I'm I'm dipping my toe nervously, whereas I think you've probably sort of fallen into the lake. I dove in a long time ago when it came out, <laughs> but, um, I just, you know, for the, for the main reason that these are my files, yep. they're on my computers. Uh, I use a, the plural there. Uh, I haven't, I don't really use obsidian on my podcasting and music, uh, station, which is what I'm sitting at now, but because it's all is all synced through iCloud, uh, all the work that I've been doing on my M1 Mac, uh, is synced up here, which is really interesting because I just popped it up and I can see what I've got. I've got 13 different folders. I don't have any loose notes as such. Everything is organized into a silo. Uh, some of those are reference. Uh, some of those are creative endeavors and sort of each of the let's call it properties that i'm involved in stationary adjacent for example has its own folder with a copy of all of our information that we've got show notes and stuff like that are under there under a different folder under there so it's it's kind of an interesting way to do it but i'm not seeing that those connections i'm seeing a little bit of that in my research types of folders, uh, personal development. I've got, uh, some authors, I've got people, I've got a folder for people where I'm going to create, uh, links to people, you know, with those useful things that you might forget, like, um, spouse's name, kid's name, dog's name, <laughs> uh, how to pronounce their name properly. You know, those weird sure. little database things that unfortunately Apple context doesn't do a great job of. And I like the idea of linking that back to what do these people do and how do they interact with me and what, what does that look like? So I'm doing some really odd little things in here, but I'm kind of enjoying it so far. Uh, but my linking is the one thing I haven't got too much of yet. Uh, I do have a lot of organized data, but it's, it's certainly something, uh, as you've mentioned about, uh, Mike's, uh, presentation the other day, it went from here, go download Obsidian and install it to here's how you write YAML. Um, and I think that was a little quick. I want to go and watch the replay and I want to really digest it section after section. Unfortunately, because it started, I've already been using Obsidian for a while. Um, I made the mistake of 
trying to watch it on my iPad while I was working on my uh, laptop. Mm -hmm. And that was a bad idea because it, it went from basic to advanced in a heartbeat like that. And I lost some of that. So I do, I, I am looking forward to revisiting it and watching the replay again. And obviously the course when that comes out too. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the answer there is the course, isn't it? Which he's, he's said is going to be much more sort of workflow oriented and, and yeah, take it, take us by the hand through those processes. Cause at times I sat there going, what did you do that? I did, I, that was magic. So something's just appeared and, and moved and, um, and you, as you say, you really had to be switched on to see that. I mean, I'm still, you can help me here. What does MOC stand for? Uh, good question. Okay. Cause, um, again, I was watching out of one eye, jobby job stuff coming up, you know, <laughs> on the replay and I'm like, oh, he's, he's back. He's just explained MOC. I think I can't find it. Um, but it's that sort of central note around a question. So, um, for example, you and I might say, um, what's the best way to um index show notes there you go that's our question mm -hmm. that's what we want to work out and and his moc or the moc he would say is that you you create a note that's called what's the best way to index show notes and then um bullet point one would be google docs and bullet point two would be markdown format and bullet and from there we would expand and grow and, and work out exactly the best way to do it. Now, um, I appreciate you've, you've already solved that problem to a certain extent because you've got them there, but it's, it's something like that, that I think helps you work through how the linking can help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that's really the question for me still. And part of the reason I'm digging into the book is getting it straight in my mind of, of the value of the linking and creating somewhat of an index, uh, an index at the moment is in a file structure, which is fine. It, it works well, but I'd love to go deeper into thought processes, not just files, because to some extent, the files that I've got, even in the notes, if I don't take advantage of any of this linking are their pages in a notebook, you know, you've, you have to flick through a, a bunch of them to find exactly the one you're looking at. And, you know, getting into the note making versus note taking, mm. that's going to help that, yeah. uh, developing those notes, coming back to those notes. That's one of the concepts that Mike really pushed was rather than just taking a note once you develop the note, you come back to it and develop it again and again and again. And that's something that I don't think I do at the moment and, uh, will be somewhat of an advantage to this. Definitely. But, uh, the, the amount of, the amount of words is, uh, certainly part of the fun and challenge of trying to get my my mindset of where this wants to go. I feel like I'm jumping into a pool in the deep end and taking all my baggage with me and trying to work out, you know, where everything goes as I'm swimming for my life. Yeah. No, I, I think that, you know, that there's a real thing. My first sort of flirtation with Rome and obsidian and just looking at them was, oh, wow. I wouldn't know where to start with all this. You know, if, if I brought all of my writing, you know, all of my notes around writing and ideas or how that, I mean, okay, folders I understand, but I've got folders, you know, if you're going to use Ulysses or IA writer or Scrivener or any of these things, you, you've got folders. Okay. That, that there's all my folders. If you haven't got folders, you've got tags, which are just folders with a different name. So, you know, everything is there. How do I, how do I make this any different? How do I make this any better? And for me, the key was don't just take a note make a note and build it. Mm -hmm. Definitely a good idea.
if you're not building it, then there's no real, I don't think there's any real advantage in linking things. I mean, that's just common words, isn't it? You know, if you said analog in this note and you said analog in that note, does that mean they're linked? I guess so, but <laughs> it's, it's a more intentional process, I think, of saying, okay, from this, I'm getting to that, to this, to that, to this. And perhaps because it's me and it really appeals to me, he's, he's pushing and saying, you know, be opinionated in your note, be opinionated about the thought that you're thinking on. What do you think about it? Does it work for you? Do you think it's, it's true or not? Because that's where you'll start developing, um, to something new rather than just recreating something that somebody else has said or written. Mm -hmm. uh, so how are you structuring or are you thinking about structuring your obsidian? Are you going to use folders or are, are you normally a searcher or are you a folder structure kind of person? Uh, well, I, I think we're both of the age where we had to be folders because when we were, when we were young, search didn't work. Um, <laughs> there was no thing as search. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I came from a folders world and then, um, was very much seduced by the idea of search, just to archive all your email. And then when you want to find it, you can just type in what you're looking for and it will turn up. And, and largely speaking, that's true. It does. Again, dinosaurs sort of find it a little bit difficult to, you know, if, if we're both T-Rex, we probably find it quite hard to go, yeah, let's be vegetarian. And the idea of, of leaving everything to search. I mean, I still back up my email. This is how old I am. <laughs> so, so I have, I use a, an app for it uh, called Mail Steward, um, which is just a massive database of all of my emails since uh, God was a boy. Now, why on earth I think I'm, I might need an email from, you know, 2004, I, I, I don't know, but, um, there's just something that was ingrained into me that you know, you've got to keep this stuff as important. I just can't really let go of that. So my obsidian will be organized. I'm still not deciding whether I'm going to have one volt or more. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I have a feeling I might go for, for more because of that whole segregation between, you know, different jobs and, uh. Uh, I suppose roles or personas, but I'm not sure. Uh, and I will have, yeah, I'll have folder systems within, you know, whatever subsections I've got. So within writing, there will be blogs and then within blogs, there will be the different, uh, CSO members, um, Camino, living the dream, all that sort of stuff. I, I'm going to guess you're similar. You're going to be a folders man. Yeah. I gave it a lot of thought whether I wanted to do different vaults for different roles. And there is a lot of value in that. The other side of it is though, you lose any of the possible links, the possible connections between those roles. And they may not be often or frequent or numerous for that matter, but I think they are there. And I want to be able to take advantage of them. So I did make the conscious choice to dump everything into one big, ugly vault, mm -hmm. but it is, I, I think it's the way that my mind works is that I want to have that ability to take things and to, to make those, here's something that I'm thinking about in this role. Oh, but here's how it relates to this role as well. Yeah. For example, sometimes using a notebook something you might write a review on for, you know, my stationary blog, how I use that 
may actually be something that I would think about from say a management role or a leadership role. Here's something that I can take to some of my staff in how to make better notes, how to stay on top of things. That sort of intersection, I think is one of the things I want to have the ability to track, even if I don't do it a lot, but it does add a lot of clutter. So there's, there's certainly pros and cons to that. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know exactly what you're saying. I mean, you know, certainly the, the things that we do, the discussions that we have, um, inform a lot of my thinking around, you know, what I'm doing in my, my own personal productivity, my own, uh, space and how I'm applying that to different roles that I have. There's a great advantage in saying, okay, yeah, what will we talk? You know, hmm, okay, so note making and note taking, how will that apply to Nero's notes? How would that apply to, um, my, you know, 1857, for example? So. I think there is a real strength in that. That is, you make a compelling argument, Mr. Twyford. Well done. Okay. Just don't hate me if you import all of your text files in there at once. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at the moment, like I say, they they sort of sit alongside. <laughs> and I'm so, I think I'm going to go for a quite a gradual project by project approach. Good choice. And, and just see how I feel. And as you say, the great thing is, you know, we, you can just move them out. Um, and you've just got a whole load of, of markdown files again, which, yeah. yeah, perfect. And, and, uh, yeah, to be clear to everybody, one does not need to invest heavily into obsidian. In fact, uh, in monetary terms, you don't need to invest at all into obsidian. No, it is as we speak, still a free app with the ability to, uh, to do donate some money towards the development, uh, if you so desire. And well worth it, I think, to keep them doing what they're doing. Uh, they do have some abilities for, or for paid uh, options. One of those at the moment is end-to-end -end encrypted backup. Mm -hmm. So I, that the files, I think they host them, and they are end-to-end -end encrypted. They do, yeah. I think at the moment that's only $4 US a month, yep. which I think is very fair for that price. That, you know, puts that whole thing at 48 bucks American for a year mm -hmm. for something that probably will replace two or three different apps in, in my rotation. That's not a bad investment at all. They also have uh, an option where you can use that probably much like you do an IA writer where you can pu publish directly to the interwebs. Uh, so I think you could probably link ghost up for that, mm. but it is a premium feature of obsidian. Uh, yeah. And be careful if you're thinking of obsidian publish, that's not quite what it is. Ah, okay. Um, because I, I thought that obsidian publish is the ability to publish a note, uh, sort of on an obsidian web server. So it would be you know, obsidian.com forward slash Stuart Lennon. Oh, like a hey.com. Yeah, kind of. So, I mean, I think it, it is something that some people will find really, really useful. And I imagine, I haven't looked, but I imagine that you can, I can envisage a community there where uh, there'll be a lot of talk about Obsidian <laughs> and how people use it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's not at the moment, it's not something that you can use to publish to WordPress or Ghost or any of those things. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, because everything is, you know, built sort of very gently around Markdown, I can actually copy paste. That's all I do. Um, into, into ghost or WordPress. And in some ways, actually that can be less, less troublesome. So um, I'm not overly worried about that, but as you say, you know, if, 
$48 a year to have end-to-end encryption is a no-brainer if you're actually going to put things of substance up there. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a dangerous world out there, folks. Yes, it is. Uh, the other thing that I have to say about Obsidian is it is a new app compared to Roam, Craft, uh, Notion. And they are releasing version after version with very, very substantial and quickly innovated um, upgrades and features. And they're doing a really, really good job of it. And that in itself is probably worth dropping them. They've got a sort of a freemium model where you can just make a donation Mm -hmm. to support them. If you like the app, I do recommend doing that because these guys, I think it's just two guys, if I'm not mistaken, are just coding their rear end off uh, in making this such an open source you can you can use these files with anything else, but it's just the interface, and it does such a good job. Yeah, absolutely, I'd agree with that wholeheartedly. And um, you know, for people like me, you think, well, what about my my iOS devices? It's coming um, would be the thing I would say. So that would be the sort of final thing for me that makes me think, okay, everything just just works together here. I'm I'm very. It's one of those ones. I'm 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 resisting the temptation to do a Justin as I will now eternally know throwing yourself in the deep end will now be called doing a Justin <laughs> because it, it, it is, I mean, I've, I don't know what themes, have you looked at themes? <laughs> I'm looking at mine and you know, I've got some nice pink text and some blue text. I'm kind of, I'm kind of digging the, um, the customization that you can do. Yeah. And it's nice because they've built this, that, uh, other people can offer plugins and, customization and themes it's it's an open concept so that other coders can also develop for this application as well and i love that because you're you're expanding your reach from not just what you're doing as a corporate but you're really keeping it open to what anybody can envision there's probably somebody that's done something that you could use as well yeah absolutely i mean it's very much like drafts in that respect you know, this was supposed to be a conversation about indexing and we became an ad for Obsidian. <laughs> exactly. And, and uh, yes, Obsidian, of course, will be giving us a percentage of all... No, no, they won't, will they? Oh, well, never mind. Uh, a percentage of all those free subscribers that we're sending their way. That's it. Exactly. Um, I did listen. Uh, Mike mentioned on his training that Obsidian is now available on Windows as well. Oh, well, very good. So if you are stuck into a corporate jobby job. Um, you know, one of the things that I like about this is these files are on your computer. So you're, you know, if you, your investment in corporate security, especially with the end-to-end encryption, uh, is certainly going to be a little more palatable to your IT security guys than perhaps some of the other structures that are out there. You know, keeping all of your corporate uh, database in Rome that has no... Uh, 2FA or encryption hmm. is probably going to be a little bit more of a concern for people than putting it into something that has end-to-end encryption. Sure, sure. Although, you know, in either case, you may well find that they're not keen. <laughs> Mordak, the preventer of, of systems. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, Justin. So what would be your key takeaway then from this? The importance of pre-planning, um, it's a little like financial retiring or weight loss. If you haven't done it, when do you start? Now is a good time to start. Uh, I've got years of my writing, particularly in analog, 
uh, in my notebooks that are not well organized, they're not indexed, they will be a challenge to find. And rather than going back and worrying about that and spinning my wheels thinking of what index I could create, I'm just kind of starting now and I'm kind of using, as we've been talking, uh, the Obsidian PKM as a bit of a way to develop notes and get into the point of reviewing my daily notes and putting them in a way that I can find them in the future. Not just looking at to-do items, which I do do, but looking at those thoughts and trying to come up with a way to index that. It's kind of why these two elements fit together very nicely in my world. Um, but don't worry about pre-planning. Don't worry about how you're going to do this too much. Throw it in, figure it out. Do a Justin. Jump into the deep end. <laughs> okay. Well, my my takeaway would be don't be Justin. <laughs> Thank you. I no, I think both approaches are equally valid. The important thing is to start. So I'm going to start from a sort of more blank piece of paper and say, okay, how does my next blog post evolve? How do my next ideas evolve into blog posts, books, whatever they're going to evolve into? Um and as that develops, I think I will develop a workflow and an understanding of how these things slot together, which I could then, if I wanted to, I could take one of my folders. So I could take my working tools posts and sort of retroactively index those and bring them into the family, as it were. Mm -hmm. And it's different strokes for different folks. The fear for me would be to bring everything in would probably intimidate me because I look at a big load of data and think, oh, whereas if I can do it sort of one section at a time, once I've got an idea how my workflow is going to work, I'll enjoy that because it won't seem uh, too onerous. But Justin and I should, if we remain as taken with Obsidian in six months as we are now, we should both emerge at the end of a process going, Yep, it's indexed. Definitely. I'm, I'm going to probably do the same thing, but I've got all my stuff in there. What I'll do is take each one of my folders and apply the indexing at some point when I have time. Sure. So yeah. I'm very much like you're doing just uh, the overload. The overload is real if you just dump it all in, believe me. <laughs> it's a scary, scary thought. Oh, it really was. All right, Stu, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, well, you can find me at stuartlennon.com or at nerosnotes.co.uk. What about you, Justin? You can find me at justintwyford.com. I write on writeexperience.com. And you can find links to both of us at stationaryadjacent.com, which is where you can also find the show notes. Uh, please like and review us on your podcast catcher of choice. We appreciate your recommendations to your friends and colleagues, especially those that you think could learn something from what we're talking about. Our next topic, as Stu mentioned earlier, is productive or procrastination. We're going to discuss whether planning and preparation are useful until they become a form of procrastination, which is a quote from James Clear. Until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yes, us. <laughs>